arrived this morning just as it was starting. So just straight after the, the minute silence, two minute silence, um, because um, having not been here before and living in, in Bamber Bridge, which is South Preston, I just typed it into my sat-nav and went, right, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. It took me long, a little bit longer than I thought it was going to anyway, but it took me around all these different roads that I'd never been down before, and very helpfully, lots of them were closed. And I think it's to do with Remembrance Sunday. I think maybe some are like parade routes or something like that. So you kind of, you know, disobey what your map's telling you and you go a different way around it and, and your map reroutes and you think, okay, that's fine, I'm gonna get there. Only to realize that your map has tried to reroute you all the way back where to, to where you were before and that road is still closed and you still can't get around it. So I had lots and lots of different diversions and just made it on time. But when I arrived and Holly came over and she saw me and I said, I'm so sorry, this has happened, this has happened. And as soon as she said, oh, don't worry about it. I had that this morning as well. I forgot that there would be places, you know, things rerouted and there'll be all these different things going on. I immediately relaxed because there's that sense of, oh, you understand. You've been there too. You have a similar story. Probably you weren't as late as me, most of you, because you all got here on time. But as soon as somebody says, I get it, I identify with you, we kind of go, oh, that's brilliant. That's really, really good. And the quote from C.S. Lewis is, friendship is born at that moment where one person says to another, what, you too? I thought, it, I, thought I was the only one. And this this morning, when I'm talking about the power of story, is how important it is to be connected with other people through our story. And the introduction that Dan gave last week was so fantastic. He talked a lot about the psychology of how important it is to connect with one another. Um, and if you missed it, please go back and listen again, because it's really good. And I, I kind of want to repeat a lot of stuff that he said, but I also don't want to waste time this morning when there's lots of other things to be said as well. Um, but I love the fact that um, God is a God of story. And that's what Dan really focused on last week was God is into story. And right from the beginning of time, he has been telling this incredible story. And it's all woven together really, really intricately. And if you've ever read the Bible from start to finish, which I really recommend that you do, you, you get this um, sense over and over again, especially the more you read it and the more you get to know it. And I'm doing it this year for the first time in ages. Actually, I actually started the Bible at the beginning of the year and I'm now you know, almost at the end of it. And just noticing all these little things through it of how God has woven everything together since the beginning of time. And what's extraordinary about that is it's not just here in this ancient book. God didn't just sit down for, for a few years and weave this story together. But it always has been and it always will be. And our stories are part of this story. Okay, We're too late to get published into the Bible. Maybe if we'd have lived another time, who knows, some of us may have been. But this, because it's a living book and an active book, all of us interact with it every single day. And our story is as powerful in many ways as the story that is in here. And this is what I mean by that, is that if people own a Bible, and lots of people in this country, I think, own a Bible. Lots of people get them free, don't they? At university, at primary school, you can go into a hotel, you can pick up a Bible. Lots of people have access to the Bible but not a lot of people are going to choose to access the Bible. But when it comes to you and your story 
And if people can access your story and you can point them to the God of this word, you can point them to the truths of the Bible, that means that your story is just as important in their lives as all this incredible scripture that God has given them. Now, obviously, they don't, we don't just want them to have your story. If they just had that, they wouldn't understand who God was and they wouldn't be interacting. But your story can be the stepping stone from who you are and your relationship with them into who God is and all these things that God has written down for them. And this morning, we're looking at Psalm 107 and we're going to go through some of the, the aspects of story that it talks about. And fantastic. Thanks, guys. You've got it up there. Um, the first three verses say this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those who redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. And guys, that's us. We are the redeemed of the Lord. If you're here this morning, maybe you haven't yet chosen to follow God. But if you're here, you have accessed his love, his story, how he feels about you. And you've been invited onto this journey. And what we do with that is we then take our story, the story of what God's done in our lives, and we can use that as the redeemed to tell our story so that other people can be gathered from the north and the south and the east and the west. And this morning, I've broken up uh, four different sections to this psalm, which talks about the different ways, the different routes, the different stories that we have that bring us to God. And I think for every one of us here, we can relate to these different stories. And not only that, but people who don't yet know God can relate to these stories too. So let's read uh, chapter, so it's 107 and it's verses 4 to 9. And it says this. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things." So right here in this section, we have one of the different ways in which we can come to God. And it is through this ingredient of dissatisfaction. So we've got no stage this morning, so these chairs are not going to be elevated. These, these are just so I can prop my things up. But this is the first one, is dissatisfaction. And we don't tend to think of good things. We don't tend to think a lot of the time of negative things, of being the thing that are going to lead us to God. But very often it is and let me tell you my story. So when I was very young, even though I had a fantastic background to my life, I, was, I grew up in a stable household, loving parents. I had a fantastic wider family, had a fantastic church family to be part of. We always had what we needed. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had enough. But I distinctly remember being about the age of eight, nine, ten, something like that. And just feeling this kind of yearning inside me for something more. And I specifically remember one night uh, getting ready for bed and just suddenly starting to sob. And I just couldn't stop myself from crying. And this was really unusual for me. I normally held everything in and I was really quiet and held all my emotions back. And I remember my mum being like, are you okay? What's happened? What, what's the matter? Why are you so upset? And I was saying, 
it, it's nothing, it's nothing. I don't know, I just feel sad, but I don't know why. And I'm fine, don't worry about it. Nothing's happened, I just feel sad. And I couldn't actually articulate to my mum what it was that I felt. But I realised later on when I really thought about it is I had this vision of my future, of what I thought it was going to be or what it possibly could be. And it was a little bit like, uh, bearing in mind, we didn't really watch these programs in our house, but I was kind of aware of their existence. But you know, if you see like Emmerdale or Coronation Street or any of the other soap operas, and the little glimpses I'd seen of these stories, it was just these people living on a street, little two up, two down, sort of married or had a partner, maybe had a couple of children, and they had a job, and that was it. And somehow when I looked ahead to the future, I, I was just like, oh man, what if that's me one day? What if like, I do find someone that I, I think I could put up with enough to marry them. And then I got married and then you're just with the same person all the time. And then you have children, but then you've got to look after them all the time. And then maybe like he would go out to work all day and then he'd come home and we'd have some money, but probably not enough money and, and, and have a roof over our head. And I, there was something about this picture that this little nine-year-old me just couldn't handle. I just thought that can't be it. Now, if you'd have said to me, well, do you, does that mean you don't want to get married? I would have said, well, no, probably, probably I do want to get married if I find the right person. And if you'd have said, well, do you not want children? I would have been like, well, yeah, no, that, that's okay. And yeah, job's good, money's good, house is good. It's, it's not I don't want those things. It's that I don't just want those things and for that to be it. There's got to be more than that. And when I was 13... I went away on this camp and I don't know if it was just where I was at, if I was ready or whether I saw something in them that I hadn't seen in people before or not noticed. But I remember getting to a point of, of well, I heard all these stories of people coming from different places and talking about these miraculous and out of the box stuff that they'd seen. And it lit something up in my spirit and I just thought, yes, that's kind of, I don't know what it is I've been looking for, but that sounds like it. It sounds like it's going beyond the ordinary. It sounds like it's, it's something more, something more satisfying than the future that I've imagined for myself. And I remember one night just going to the front and saying to God, I have no plan. Whatever plan I had, I want to lay it down and I just want whatever you want in my life. And that is it. And whatever you give me to do, I will say yes, because I can't imagine anything else in the future that is going to bring me satisfaction, just saying yes to you. And that's it. And in my life, I look back and that is the best decision I have ever made. I haven't regretted it for a moment. And I've had amazing things come into my life and I have amazing things go out of my life as well. And I've seen all these different things I was looking at in the future. You know, what about, what about marriage? What about children? What about ministry? I've had them all. And I know what it's like to lose them as well. But at the same time, all of that came after this decision that said, yes, God, to whatever you want for my life. And I guarantee every person we meet in life is facing some kind of dissatisfaction. Some sense of, is this all that there is? And if that is part of your story, you have something in common with them. You have an opening. You have that chance to talk to them about it, to say, yeah, I know what you mean. I felt like that as well. And to allow someone to be open and vulnerable with you as you are open and vulnerable with them and not be too quick to run in with the answers, even though we think, oh, I know what the answer is. 
I know I've got something for you and it's going to be amazing. But just allow people to share their story of vulnerability and dissatisfaction and we can bring our own. And this is not even to say that when you give your life over to God, you no longer experience dissatisfaction. I actually think that it's part of our soul and our spirit because we are people who were created to be perfect and we've got a perfect destiny waiting for us that our spirits cry out for, but we live in a broken, fragile, dissatisfying world. So even our ongoing dissatisfaction, I don't think it necessarily takes away from God. I think it still points towards God and it helps us to relate to others and point them to him as well. So the next part of this psalm is verses 10 to 16. And it says this. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's command and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their distress and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. So the second thing I want to talk about this morning was this. Entrapment. Because in these verses, you might think, well, that sounds really harsh. You know, this what it says in uh, in verse 12, he's got that God subjected people to bitter, label, to bitter labor and they stumbled and there was no one to help. What is God playing at there? But, you know, on the very mild end of this, can anybody relate to this? That sometimes you want to watch an episode of something. And of course, now, if you want to watch a series, you don't have to wait a week anymore for the next episode of that thing, do you? You can just watch episode after episode after episode on whatever tablet or screen or downloading service that you have. And it used to be a couple of years ago, you actually had to, when you got to the end of an episode, that you had to press on the button to watch the next episode. You don't even have to do that anymore, do you? Like it just carries on playing. And have any of you ever been in that situation where you've started to watch something and you're thinking, oh, I'll just watch an episode on my lunch break or I'll just watch, watch an episode before I go to sleep. And the next thing you're thinking, how long have I been here? And when did I make the decision to watch another episode and another episode? Like I don't actually remember making that decision. And yet here I am. So that's like a mild on, on the milder end of it. But for other people, it might be a case of, I really like having a couple of drinks to settle myself at the end of the day and to relax. It makes me feel good. But I don't remember when the two turned to three, when the three turned to four and the four turned to five. And suddenly it's become this thing that like I just gravitate towards all the time whenever I'm feeling stressed and it's just become part of my life. It can end up being that sense of... Um, you know, someone's frustrated you, someone's angered you or wronged you. And at the time you're thinking, right, okay, well, that was frustrating, but I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to move forward. And one day you think, when did I get to the stage where I'm just continually replaying that conversation over and over in my head? Because it's been weeks and months now and I'm still really bugged by it and I'm still harboring that grudge and I'm still having fake conversations in my head of what I should have said at the time and what I will say in the future if I ever get the opportunity to. And it's going round and round and round. 
Or what about that sense of, well, I'm just going to look at this thing on the screen and I'm just going to click on it because I'm really curious. I'm really curious about what that is and I just want to know a little bit more and it kind of makes me feel good the more I look at this stuff and then it becomes a case of thinking about it the rest of the time and wanting to see more of it and then increasing the intensity of what you're looking at and suddenly you're finding that you're not getting fulfillment in ordinary things but instead your only fulfillment and gratification is coming from clicking on that next thing and that next thing and that next thing. This, guys, is called entrapment. It's allowing ourselves to sort of just glide along into something that seemed manageable. It seemed like a healthy thing in the beginning. It was just curiosity or it was just relaxing or it was just thinking about things. And the next thing, somehow it's absorbed all our thoughts and it's changed the way that we relate to people. And it's become more important to us than everything else in life. And it's begun to consume us. And when we find ourselves in that place, that place of darkness, utter darkness, what very often happens in verse 12 is God allows us to feel the weight of it. Because when we drift into these things, we can tell ourselves all the time, I'm in control, it's fine, it's fine, I can, I can just do a little bit of it. it, you know, it's okay, I'm in control of it, I'm using it for what I want. But then one day we wake up and we realize as God kind of pulls back his hand of protection, wait, no, this is the other way around. I'm no longer master of this thing. This thing is now master of me. And I can't seem to stop it. And I can't seem to get my head out of it. And sometimes when God allows us to stumble on our way, that's his grace. It's him saying, don't ever forget that these things are cruel masters. There's only one good master out there. There's only one Lord that wants your good and wants to give you life and wants to save you from dark things in your life. They're going to pull you down. And everything else that you give your time and energy over to, actually, that is going to pull you down. It's going to be your Lord and your master. And sometimes God allows us to suddenly feel the weight of that or to stumble or to realize I've got to get out of here. And what happens in that moment, in all these sections of the psalm we're looking at this morning, is when we cry out to God for help, he comes and he releases us. He reveals himself to us and he says, I will give you the freedom that you have needed from this entrapment. And if that's true for us, all of us here, we need to remember that. We need to own that. We need to remember what it feels like and we need to get alongside other people that we can see have slid into these same places and talk to them about the journey that we've been on. To be real about what we've struggled with and how we've seen God change that in our lives. And if you don't feel like you have, then this morning is your chance to cry out to God to see yourself set free from those things. The third thing is this in verses 17 to 22. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried out to God in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. So the third thing is, is a bit different from the last one where we just accidentally slide into something without realizing it. 
Sometimes, if let's face it, we are out and out rebellious. And this may be your story before you found God. And it can even be your story after you found God as well. Because sometimes when we feel disappointed or let down or we feel like God's not showed up for us in the way that we think that he ought to have done, there's something deep within our spirits that wants to kick back against that. That wants to say, well, that's not fair. And if, you're not, if you've not got my best interests at heart, well, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to do what you say. And the definition of rebellion is that we begin to write our own rules for life instead. So we begin to say, well, you know, I've tried godly relationships and nothing seems to be working out for me there. So I'm going to go and look elsewhere, try and find someone that can satisfy me. And if I feel like I want this kind of relationship in kind of the, instead of the stuff that God's outlined for me in the Bible, well, if I believe that's going to be better for me and I'm not sure I trust God anyway, I'm just going to ignore that and I'm going to do my own thing. It could be to do with knowing that it says in the word of God that it's really important to forgive people so that we can receive forgiveness as well. And we go, yeah, but yeah, but God, you don't know what this person has done to me. Like when you wrote that, you probably didn't know all these years later, this situation that I was going to be facing. How on earth can you expect me to forgive? That is an impossibility. And I know that many of us have experienced it ourselves and know people who are trapped in that, that for all their lives they are walking through and they are angry and bitter at what has been done to them and they cannot let it go because they believe that forgiveness is condoning what the other person has done instead of stepping into the freedom that God has got for them. But we do this in our lives, don't we? We're just like... You know, whether whether people believe in God or whether they um, don't believe in God, very often it's that sense of, I don't want to be told what to do. And I'm an individual and I've got my own story. And I want to love who I want to love. And I want to be angry at who I want to be angry at. And I want to spend my time the way that I want to spend my time. And I don't want to be told what to do. We've got to the point in society where it's like, well, you know what? If we can increase the capabilities of science... And if we can change the way that, that people are biologically, then why do we need to follow any kind of rule? Let's just stretch those boundaries, you know? And if we've got contraception, well, then we can throw all those previous rules out the window because this is going to cure all of that. And it's like we're constantly trying to come up with new answers for the stuff that God has already given us. He's already said, don't go down that path. Don't do this. It's going to lead to this. And we're like, yeah, but I think, I, I think I've got a solution. I think I've got a better way. I think I know better, God. That's basically what we are surrounded by in the society that we live in. And it's so easy to fall down that path and, and, and to go down there and to make those decisions that say, I think I know better than God. But we can see in this passage, it talks about people suffering affliction because of their iniquities, loathing all food, drawing near the gates of, de of death, Basically, when we're not choosing God's life for us, we're choosing destruction. And we all have a leaning towards self-destructive behavior. I know you'll have seen it in your own life sometimes. You do things that you know are not good for you, but it's really, really difficult to stop. And we're surrounded by people who struggle with self-destructive behavior. But we can offer them a way out. We can offer them that life back we can offer them restoration because we would like to think that the opposite of, um, of, 
of rebellion, when we look at that, or lots of people, what they fear is, they think, well, the opposite of rebellion is losing your freedom and becoming controlled by the system or being controlled by this God that I don't even know and don't know if I trust. But the opposite of rebellion is not that. It's actually healing. It's restoration and wholeness. And that is what God is bringing us to. And it says in here, in verse 20, he sent out his word and he healed them. So people no longer have to put up these structures in their life to protect themselves, to save themselves, to try and stop themselves being wounded by what life has, has given them. It's God that brings true healing. And if we can reveal that to people with our life and our story and the way that we act around them, how much better would that be? And the final section this morning is verses 23 to 32. And it says, Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to their depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and they staggered like drunkards and they were at their wits end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. So the final thing this morning that we're thinking about is this sense of struggle and strife. You know, when we have a focal point in our lives, it could be a career or business, it could be family or romance or relationship, things that we aim for and we go for, go for, and these are good things. They're like the gifts that God has given us in our lives very often, the ability to, to make money, the ability to create a home, the ability to have an impact on the world around us. But what can happen is we're so busy focusing in on these things, we're so busy striving towards them and putting all our time and effort into them that we begin to lose perspective and it becomes this slog. And we, this, this sort of image that we're given here is these merchants going out on mighty wa uh, waters and they're aiming for something and they've got a plan and, and everything's great while it's plain sailing. They've just got to keep their head down and, and carry on. But sometimes there's a bump in the road or, as in this story, a storm that comes up. And in that moment, our perspective is changed. Because in that moment, we have to take our eyes off just this one thing that we're aiming for and working towards and putting all our effort in and go, wow, what is this really all about? And again, this is the mercy of God. And everybody that you know will have been through things in their lives, moments where no matter how well planned they are, no matter what amount of great decisions they've made, things have come along. Unexpected storms, bumps in the road, hitches in their plans. And in that moment, we have to stop and look around and go, wait, what is this all about? And the experiences that you've had in your life, your hitches, your bumps, your storms, they're the kind of things that we can sit and talk to other people about because they can relate to them. When they've also had things that have happened in their life and they go, whoa, I don't understand what's going on right now. And it's not even that they're in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. It's just that God wants to grab their attention. 
and in the storms and the interruptions, that is very often the moment where we go, wait, what is this all about? And we see God afresh. And whatever the thing was that we've been aiming for, whether it's money or success or a good marriage or ministry, all these really, really good things, the way that we solidify our faith, the way that we have a story that is worth telling to other people that they can relate to is because of the things that haven't necessarily gone the way that we wanted them to. And I don't know this morning which one of these paths that you relate to the most. I don't know what your story is in terms of why you came to God, why you're here today. What is it that motivated you? Was it dissatisfaction and you wanted something different? Was it the entrapment of thinking, oh my goodness, I keep getting stuck? Was it rebellion where you, you tried all the opposite things of, that were to do with God and then you came all the way back and said, no, I want to find him? Or is it that sense of knowing who you are and what you wanted to do, but needing moments where God just arrested your attention and grabbed a hold of you? When I was at Bible college, we had um, different people that would come and talk to us about, you know, evangelism and, and uh, communication, different ways of taking the good news of who we know God is and bringing it to other people. But the bit that stayed with me the most is this, is that any person, no matter what their background or what they're going through, no matter how together they seem or how far away from God they seem, even the staunchest of atheists if you say to them, have you ever had things happen in your life that you can't quite explain? Every single person will have some kind of story. They'll have a moment where they say, well, actually, yeah. And these are the points where, where we can get people talking about their story, that we can engage with our story and say, ah, oh, me too. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, I struggle with that as well. And as we, t as we listen to their stories and we bring God's story into it, we begin to see these changes. So where there was dissatisfaction, we can talk about finding contentment within that because that is what God brings. And when we talk about entrapment and getting stuck in bad habits, we can talk about the freedom that God brings from that. And when we talk about rebellion and wanting to do things our own way and not seeing why we should do things another way, we don't have to say, no, that's stupid, that's wrong. But we can talk about healing. We can see where the thing that someone is trying to get hold of, throwing off the things of the past and trying all these different ways. When we speak to them about a healing God who can help them physically, emotionally, and mentally, that is when we're bringing truth into their lives. And instead of strife and just chasing after all these things, we can show them the wonder of who God is. And we continually need reminding as we go through our life of all these things. And this psalm is just so full of this sense of whichever way we come to God, whatever our path has looked like and what it does look like, it's an essential part of our story. And this remembering that Holly's been talking about this morning, remembering what God has done in our lives, remembering what God has done in the lives of other people in the word, and remembering what he's done in each other's lives as we share life with one another and inspire one another is getting a hold of the truth of who God is, not allowing ourselves to stay in the same place, but knowing that there is more. So I'm going to pray this morning and I'm going to um, ask God that he's going to reveal if you've been struggling in any one of these four areas, that he's going to help you remember what he can do in your lives through them.
but also that we never lose the wonder of our story and what God has done in our lives and that we would take every opportunity to share that with other people. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that there is no formula, there is no style of living or a kind of life that we need to follow. God, I thank you that we all have different paths towards you, that our stories are individual. God, I thank you that you have done something extraordinary in every single one of our lives. God, I thank you that we all have an amazing story to tell, even if it doesn't feel that dramatic or that incredible to us. You know exactly who we need to come into contact with. You know exactly who needs to hear our story. And God, if there's any of us here this morning that have lost the wonder of our story, I pray like all these passages in this psalm, that you would bring us to that point of praise. That in our reaction to who you are and what you've done in our lives, that we will give thanks to you for your unfailing love. That God, that we would speak about your wonderful deeds for mankind and we'll bring thank offerings and we'll tell your works with songs of joy. God, bring back the wonder and the amazement of what you've brought into our lives. And oh God, give us the confidence to be able to speak to other people about this. There's a reason that we are bumping shoulders with the people in our lives right now. No matter how different they seem to us, no matter how polar opposite their story may be, we, because we're part of your humankind, we can look into one another's eyes, we can hear one another's stories, and we can find ways to relate. And God, I thank you for every person here, that you have made them an agent that represents you. And some of us have accepted that and are embracing that and walking forward, and some of us might be questioning that, and so I'm not sure that that's how I want to live my life. But God, I thank you so much that you've chosen to weave us into your story. And God, for any of these areas where we're struggling, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will have been just knocking on our hearts, just prodding us and reminding us of who you are and what you can do. God, I pray for those with dissatisfaction, that they would turn to you, Jesus, and find contentment. I pray for those who feel trapped, that, Father God, they would find freedom in you. God, I pray for those who were struggling with rebellion and not wanting to say yes to you. That, God, you would help them find your perfect freedom, a life of healing, a life that is not full of restriction and restraint, but it's stepping into your full freedom. And God, I pray for those of us that are focused on a goal as good or as healthy as that goal might be, that we would never lose the wonder of who you are. And God, as we place our stories into your hands, we ask that you would use them to change the people around us, that we would be your agents, your glory carriers, your storytellers, to impact the lives of other people around us so that they can recognize where you've been at work in their story and they can tell other people and they can discover where you've been at work in their story and they can tell other people and on and on it will go. Stories of faithfulness, stories of who you are, stories of what you can do. We just want to give our whole selves over to you this morning, God, and ask that you would do with us whatever it is you want to do so that other people can find you and that we can know you fully. In your name, Jesus. 
Amen.